Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. So today I feel have felt impressed several times this week to go to 1 Corinthians 3 and to be honest with you, I'm... um, um, not really excited about what I have to say today, um, other than the fact that um, the Lord has told me to do it, and I'm going to. This passage here in 1 Corinthians 3 follows one of my very favorite New Testament passages, and that is chapter 2 of the book of Corinthians, where Paul says, look, no eye has not seen nor ear has heard all that has entered into the into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. But we have a receptor. We can know what God is saying by the Spirit of the living God who lives in us. For we have been given the mind of Christ. I mean, this is a, the, chapter 2 is one of my all-time favorites. Unfortunately, we have to get to chapter 3, and that's where the Lord has prompted me to go today. And... Uh, The Lord has prompted me to ask questions uh, all week to myself. Remember this, I ask myself questions before I ask you questions. And the question that the Spirit of God has prompted me to ask myself this week is, in what ways am I still acting like a baby? You think that was my favorite time this week? In what ways, in words, thoughts, actions, choices, Am I still acting like a baby? So now I want to share it with you. In what ways are we still, though we have the Spirit of God who gives us the very thoughts and the words of God, we have the very mind of Christ, in what ways are we still acting like babies? Chapter 3, verse 1, after this incredible word of revelation about the Spirit of God dwelling in us, Paul says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you As to spiritual people, that is, those who are controlled and operate and walk by the Spirit of God. But I had to talk to you as carnal, as fleshly. What does that mean? As those who still operate in old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving. Let me say that again. The best definition I have of the flesh are those old, pre-newborn patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving that we can operate in and thus categorize us in God's eyes as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you're still not able. Now remember this is a church that had seen mighty power of God in a very dark culture This is a church who were introduced to the gifts of the Spirit in Paul's teaching. (coughs) Pardon me. This is a church that may be the greatest text in all of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 13, about the love of God was written. And he said, you're still acting like babies. I can't feed you with something 
that is beyond milk because why? You're not yet able. How many of you know that one of the wisest things that you'll ever see in the New Testament is when Jesus, the Word says that Jesus couldn't tell the disciples everything He knew because they were not able to receive it. How I many of you know part of wisdom sometimes is knowing when somebody is able to receive something? If you take the truth and try to beat somebody over the head with it, it won't work. They're just not ready to receive it. So you need to ask the Lord for wisdom even in speaking the truth. Paul said, I couldn't tell you everything I wanted to. I couldn't feed you with solid food because you were still operating in the flesh, although you've been indwelt by the Spirit of God. I mean, what do babies do? Well, some of you um, know real <laughs> up close and personal what babies do, your children, your grandchildren, or others that you uh, are around. Um, babies can't digest food by themselves. They have to be fed. Let's all ask ourselves this question. Do I have to always be spoon-fed, and do I have to be spoon-fed by the same things I was being fed years ago when I was saved? Am I still having to hear the same thing because my appetite for the Word and the deep things of God in His Word hasn't developed? We would say a baby would be abnormal if it didn't begin to develop in its dietary habits. What about us as believers? If the pure milk of the Word is all we can digest, then we need to take a good look at ourselves and ask if we're that carnal, that fleshly believer who's acting like a baby. Babies can't feed themselves. Babies cry when they're uncomfortable. Have you, you've noticed that, hadn't you? It is a, I don't like where I am. I don't like how I feel, and you need to change it. Right? Well, I mean, in a, a little baby, you don't say, when are you going to grow up? I mean, that's, you've got to walk through the process. But how many even know, many of us, and many in God's kingdom have known the Lord for years and years and years and years as far as being reborn, but they're still crying when they get the least bit uncomfortable. When things don't go exactly the way they want them to go, then it's nothing but criticism and crying, and what it really is is a signal for somebody else to fix it. How many of you know one of the traits of being a baby in the Lord is when you get uncomfortable always wanting somebody else to fix it? Well, if it wasn't for my husband, I'd be all right. If it wasn't for my wife, if it wasn't for my boss, if it wasn't for this job, this culture, these political leaders, if it wasn't for somebody else, I'd be all right. I want somebody else to fix it. You know, would to God we would all learn that nobody else is going to fix it. How many times in your life have you expected somebody else to politically fix this nation? They're not going to do it. I don't care who it is, what party is, it doesn't matter. It has to come on the inside of our hearts. It has to be changed from the inside. 
Babies cry when they're uncomfortable. They demand attention. Uh, Babies are the center of their own universe. You ever notice about that? It's all about me. (laughs) They don't know any better, but it's baby, listen, baby Christians are still operating like they are the center of the universe, and they're always they're always wanting what somebody else has. They think that will satisfy and make them complete. That is a sign of being immature and a baby in our walk with the Lord. The Bible says to, in Christ, in Christ we ought to learn to be content with where we are. That doesn't mean that we don't aspire for more from the Lord. It means that we ought to... Stop blaming everything that happens to us on our circumstances and other people. Notice what Paul goes on to say there. Here's the example that I want you to know. Uh, Some of you are acting like mere men. What does that mean? The Bible says (laughs) we're citizens of, uh, of heaven. We're born again. We're, we're created in the image and likeness of God and reborn into the very likeness of our Lord. We are not supposed to act like everybody else. One of the problems with the church in the America is we're trying to act like everybody else. God never meant for His body to act like everybody else. Think like everybody else. Adopt the ways and thoughts of of the world. No. This is not about entertainment. It's about learning to walk in Jesus. Then he goes on to say, here's a reason why I know you're carnal. When one of you say, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Remember, Apollos was that dynamic servant of the Lord. You read about him in the book of Acts. What a strong and mighty evangelist. Are you not carnal? Here's what was going on. They would begin to get into discussions and actually competitive discussions with each other saying, well, I, I heard the gospel from the man himself, the Apostle Paul. Well, I tell you, he's a good guy, but this other guy came in with all this energy. His name was Apollos, and man, I, he lit my fire. Do you know, part of being a baby Christian is becoming a hero worshiper. Can I tell you something? There's no man or woman in this earth that's worthy of praise and honor and obedience but the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't care how many heroes you got or what kind of rock star they are, there's only one worthy of praise and worship, Jeff. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so the Corinthian church had fallen into hero worship. They were having factions and divisions, rivalries and jealousies. They were beginning to get into strife and contention with one another. They were quarreling and wrangling about this and that and the other. How many of you know a lot of times quarrels develop between two parties that don't know anything anyway? They just think they do and don't want the other one to have any more of an advantage than they have. Well, neither one of them know what to do. 
Verse 5, who then is Paul? Who is, listen to this. Pastor, this is powerful right here. Who then, Paul goes on to say <laughs> in answer to his own question, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? What are y'all thinking? Who are we? We are ministers. We are but ministers. All we are, are you know what a minister is? It's a servant. It's not a rock star. It's a servant. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be the one with the biggest following. No. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but minister, servants, through whom you believed. But as the Lord gave to each one, the Lord gave the gifts to Paul. The Lord gave the gifts to Apollos. Notice what he says in verse 6. I planted, that is, I planted the seed of the word of God, the gospel to you. Apollos came in after me and watered that seed. But understand this, that it was God that caused the growth. So then neither he who, <laughs> neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You know, one of the marks of being immature and being a baby is giving all the credit to a man or woman who is nothing but a servant, a minister. It's God that gives the increase. For we, verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You receive from the Lord through your spiritual leaders. We're just partnering with God. You are God's field. You're a field that we are planting and cultivating, watering, getting ready for harvest, but you belong to God. You are God's field and, and God's building. How many of you know that the, the, the word is full of good metaphors? Here's a great one. God compares his people to fields, Jeff, to buildings. And then he says it is the, the servants that go out. Let me put it like this. You are a field. You are a building. And there is a servant who is planting something in you today. There is, you are a building. God is working on something with you. And there is a servant whom you are allowing to equip you to build on that which has been laid. What's happened so many times in the body of Christ in this day and age, Wayne, we talk about it all the time, is that people begin to watch servants of the Lord and like what they're hearing or seeing, but they're just observing instead of growing. Let 
man, I feel good. I went to church today, and man, I felt good, and I got some worship, and I heard a great little message. So it made me feel better, but I didn't grow a bit. Uh-oh, that's a problem. That's a problem. I didn't grow a bit. That's a problem. So notice what he says now. Verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 10, according to the grace of God, it was God's favor, it was God's ability that gave me anything, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I was only wise because God gave me his wisdom. I was only able to build because the grace, the ability of God. You know what babies, uh, you know what babies think? They think they're the master of their own universe. How often do you come to grips with the fact that anything good in your life is a gift of grace? If you're great at what you do, it's because you've been given a measure of God's grace. If you're favored, if you're well taken care of, if you're prosperous, if you're healthy, it's because of God's grace. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another, Apollos came, he built on it. But notice what he says here, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Wow, if you are getting a wise foundation, if you've been given a wise framework for your on which your the building of your life and your walk with the Lord resides be careful who you allow to build on that foundation because you can get some inferior materials in that building and that'll attract termites and rot and weather and wind and everything inferior Some of our hearts have been broken here as we talked among ourselves at some who have been laid a foundation of the integrity of the Word of God, only to have some come around and question whether the Word of God is even true and and, and the inspired God-given Word. Be careful about who you allow to build on your foundation. Be careful. Grow up. For no other foundation can be laid other than that which is already laid, and that is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on a foundation, listen, watch this now. Notice, notice the quality of what is built on that foundation. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold,
for the day, capital D, for the day. How many of you know Jesus is called the day star in the scripture? How many of you know that one day, how we have built on our foundation, it's going to become clear whether it was gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble? Uh-oh. You say, Pastor, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to face Jesus Remember, this is not at the great white throne judgment for those who have rejected the Lord. This is at the judgment seat of Christ, Bema in the Greek. It is a Bema seat was, was where people who won in the games in Greece were given the ribbons with the medals. The judgment seat of Christ for the believer is not to determine whether or not you are going to heaven that was already determined when by grace you received by faith the Lord Jesus. Done deal. But the beam of the judgment seat of Christ, which we will all stand before that judgment seat of Christ, the scripture is very clear, is to determine the gain or loss of reward. And that's where what we have built on the foundation, the foundation being our reception of the Lord Jesus Christ are coming to know him, what have we done with what we have had? Where have we gone from there? Where have we gone from there? There's coming a time where that will be revealed. How many of you would say, this is my favorite sermon so far? <laughs> no. It's coming. But Pastor, God is a God of love and grace and mercy. Yes, He is, and we can't even fathom the love and the grace and the mercy of God. But He's also righteous and holy and just. Yes, He is. And those of listen, all of us will that day will declare. What, how we have built on the foundation, for it will be revealed by fire. What is that talking about? This is a metaphor. It's not talking about a literal flame that you would strike a match. Fire has to do with the glory of, of the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord, He dwells in such glory that it will consume anything that is inferior. What does that mean? All my works, all that I have built on the foundation that the Lord through grace has given me, all that is going to come in the glory of Jesus at his judgment seat from his very presence, that which I have done and said and thought and motive that is inferior, that has been wood, hay, and straw will be burned up by the glory of God. But notice that gold, silver, and precious stones have one thing in common, heat. They've all gone through heat. When you have gone through the heat of the enemy's oppression, of living in this world, of, of the heartache that others have caused, when you've gone through the heat of temptation, how are you coming out? 
Is it gold, silver, and precious stones, or is it wood, hay, and straw? The fire that's talked about here is the presence, the very glory, the outshining of the presence of the Holy One who loves you. That is not to throw you into eternal hell. That is, that is to remove and separate from me and to remove and separate from you those things that were done with inferior motives without the, in the flesh and not of the Spirit. And if you say, I've never done anything except by the Spirit of God, you're a liar. And if you say, I've never done anything but walked in the glory of God and never had an inferior motive, <clears throat> I don't know what to say about you. Thank God for His mercy and grace. Thank God that God's mercy and grace is superior to His judgment. Thank God that it is His mercy and grace that overrules Judgment from, from sin. Hallelujah. I mean, right back here, the last few minutes when Pastor led us in Holy Communion, as I was receiving the, the, those elements, I said, thank you, Lord, I was there. You saw all there was to see about me. And you took all my sin and you buried it, separated it from me, and forgot it by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Glory of God. Listen, you're saved by grace through faith. The entrance into heaven has to do only with the grace of God. Eternal rewards have to do with what we've done with what we've been given. How kind of steward we've been. How have we built on that foundation? How have we planted that field and cultivated it of our faith and our relationship with the Lord. Verse 14, the, you see what the fire is going to test our work. That is the fire of God's glory and His standard. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved so as yet through fire. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't make me feel very good because Boy, when I see the Lord, I, I don't know about, um, I don't know if righteous deeds are even going to meet up with unrighteous deeds. Do you know that um, one, of the, one of the things the Holy Spirit was sent to do was to convict of sin. We all get that because we don't believe. But he was also sent to convict us of righteousness. You ever been convicted of righteousness? No, see, you think, you think that the Bible said he'll convict you of unrighteousness. No, no, he didn't say that. He'll convict you of sin, unbelief. But he'll also convict you of righteousness. You know what that means? It means that God has put somebody in your place in heaven. His name is Jesus, and he, you are in Jesus by his grace. You got up this morning, didn't you? Of course you did. 
You made an investment today to get with other believers to sing and worship and pray and hear the Word of God. Was that an act of sin or righteousness? Oh, so you go to work, don't you, because you believe that, that that's what you're supposed to do, not just to be a good citizen, but to provide and to use the skills and abilities God's given you and invest in other people. Is that an act of sin or righteousness? You told your wife you loved her last night, didn't you? Is that an act of sin or righteousness? You listen to your children when they call you with a problem, even though it gets wearying sometimes. Is that sin or righteousness? What I'm trying to tell you is there are, for the believer, there are far more acts of righteousness than there are of sin. But most of the body of Christ, or at least a big share, walk around with this innate, indwelling sense of unworthiness, unrighteousness, and never step into the goodness and the grace and the position of God in Jesus Christ. So what I'm trying to tell you is you shouldn't dread, it should be sobering that we're going to see Jesus at the beam of the, the, the reward seat, the, the seat, the judgment seat of Christ. It should be sobering, and we ought to be about the Father's work. But it, not, it shouldn't be something that you dread and fear, something that ought to motivate you. Hallelujah. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the t Spirit of God dwells in you? There are two ways that the Spirit of God dwells in you that are talked about in Scripture. One is in the gathered saints, the church, the ecclesia, and the other is in the body of the believer, the physical body of the believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you are His temple. If anyone defiles the temple of God, if anyone destroys or desecrates the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. What does that mean? God will not, and, and I've, I know that there is a teaching by some in religion that if somebody commits suicide then they will never be able to go to heaven I personally don't believe that can I ask you a question um, what would you say about someone who had cancer and died was it their fault? Yes or no? Would God keep them from going to heaven? If someone had a mental disease and they either died or, God forbid, had done something extraordinarily extraordinarily painful and took their own life 
But they did it in a fit of mental disease. Do you think God would forbid them from being in heaven? So what is the big difference if disease was the exit point for one and not the other? Oh, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Suicide is grievous and it hurts the heart of God and it hurts so many, many people. It's not the unpardonable sin. And I know there are those who disagree with that and take another position, but I, um, I know this. I've stood before the caskets of those. It's not, it's not a joyful thing. It's not. But I do want to tell you that I believe with all my heart that God's grace is greater than mental illness. Can you say amen to that? Well, how are we doing so far? Are we acting like babies? <laughs> you know, I'll bet, I'll bet. I had to say to the Lord this week, you know what, Lord, I think I'm acting like a baby in this. Um, and I'll bet some of you might could take a look at the light and the fire of the Spirit of God, and you might see some ideas and areas where You gripe when you're not comfortable, too. <laughs> Join my club. But you know what? There's no excuse. We've been given every blessing in heavenly places. I don't have an excuse for my sin. Do you? I just don't have one. Best thing for me to do, Brother Joe, is just confess it and thank God for his grace. That other scripture I put on there for you is Ephesians chapter 4, and it talks about it's time for us to grow up in the Lord. Grow up in the Lord. Second Peter tells us that we are to grow in grace. How do you grow in grace, Jeff? How do you grow in grace? Spend time just fellowshipping with the Lord, giving Him thanks Remember all the ways that he has shown you his grace. And you'll begin to see that the revelation of his grace will begin to beget more grace in you. But not only are you to receive grace, you're to give it. How long has it been since you've gone before the Lord and forgiven somebody that hurt you and extended them grace? You grow in grace not only by receiving it, but by giving. The Word tells us to grow in that grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Greater intimacy with the Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today and listening to a word that can be convicting. 
you know what? God's assignment, God's assignment is for us to hear words that bring correction as well as that bring great encouragement. Because you know what the Word of God says? The Lord loves those whom He corrects. Lord, forgive us where we've been acting like spiritual babies. Give us a hunger and a thirst for the pure and anointed Word of God. Forgive us for being satisfied with just something somebody said or watching them perform. God, help us to really sink our teeth into the, the meat of the Word of God. Learn and grow as mature believers reflecting the glory of God. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that it flows out of your heart of love. Greater than any force in this world. How we praise you and thank you for it, God. Thank you for your love and mercy and grace towards me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to say something today, and I put this on the back of your outline. I rarely ever do this. But I'll tell you, as this message has told us, we ought to be careful about who we allow to build on foundation of the truth laid by faithful servants there is a faithful servant of the Lord there are so many faithful servants of the Lord so many but you know there's one who I especially I will listen I will listen to several but I promise you I will listen to Dr. Tony Evans Dr. Evans pastor of South Oak Cliff Church in Dallas. He and I were in seminary at the same time at the same place. Far, far beyond the fruit that my life has borne, God has used Dr. Evans. And at the end of the back page of your outline, I listened this week to one of his messages about fighting depression and discouragement. If you're fighting depression or discouragement, I highly recommend that you listen to Dr. Evans' message. You can go on YouTube. Maybe you have somebody close to you who could use that. It's called Encouragement That Calms Fears. It's only 27 minutes. You can go on YouTube. I've put the, the thing there for you. Dina wrote it out. You can key in this. I, I believe God anointed Dr. Evans on this. And I believe it will be a blessing to you. I want you to know how much Dean and I love you. We pray for you every day. Your pastors love you. And I know we don't meet on the last Sunday of the month, but you know that we're on duty 24-7. We love and appreciate you. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you in two weeks.
You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.